was able to bring things to the next level in my company. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that it's the only way you're going to grow is by feeling the fear and acting anyway, and getting into it and, and jumping in and figuring things out. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with $1 million to $100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, It allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about the pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E, you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Matt Faircloth. How you doing, Matt? I'm awesome, Joe. So great to be with you today. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And I'm looking forward to our conversation. Best ever listeners, because today is Sunday, got a special segment for you called Skill Set Sunday. And first off, a little refresher about Matt, and then that will help tee this up. So Matt's a full-time real estate investor. He's completed dozens of flips, but also now focused on office buildings, commercial real estate, apartment deals. He just had a rather large closing that he and his team done. Yeah, woohoo. Nice work on that. And that actually leads into our conversation. The conversation and the outcome of this conversation for you, best ever listeners, is to learn about some ways to have some stretch goals and to try new methods to reach old goals. So maybe you've been trying to reach certain goals, you have not achieved them. 
Well, we're going to talk about the thought process to take to try new methods to reach those same goals that you've been trying to achieve. So with that being said, Matt, what's the best way to start out this conversation? Well, I'll tell a little bit of the backstory to lead us up to the point where I hit that pivot where it's like, okay, I can stretch myself or I can keep doing what I've been doing. So let me give you a one minute background story. So my company, as your businesses too, we are regionally focused on specific territories. We are not a company that will buy anywhere in the continental United States. That's not what we do. We are focused on North Carolina and Kentucky. That's it. So a deal came up in a market we had been shopping in North Carolina in Winston-Salem and it came across our plate. And we have been a company that's been able to put together, say, I don't know, maybe five to $8 million transactions, which require in the apartment building world that requires an equity raise of somewhere in the two to $3 million range. We've gotten pretty good at that. So I've got a really good mechanism down for raising two to $3 million for a real estate transaction to the point where I can repeat it over and over and over again, as often as I need to for deals. And we had built a pretty good wheelhouse of doing it and that. So this deal in Winston-Salem comes up and the numbers work. Everything checks the boxes. The location's phenomenal. Everything's awesome about it. And it's an $18.5 million purchase, which is more than double anything else we'd ever put together before, Mm -hmm. right? 336 units, so more unit count than we've done, mm-hmm. more equity than we've ever done, more loan amount than we've ever done, more everything, right? What was and, the highest amount of equity you had raised up until that point? Just on over one three, deal? Like three. Three and a half. Okay. And yeah, how much was this one requiring? We're doing this a little different. This one is a total of $12 million in equity, but because the bridge debt world has changed and it's very hard to get construction dollars from banks, what we're doing is we're going in with the Freddie Floater product, which is a floating rate mortgage, lower loan to value, and we're going to raise construction dollars as we need them during the process, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't have all the money we need at closing. We're going to get it as we go, which is an interesting process as well. So, so in, to- in total 12, but mm-hmm. how much to close, to close it out mm-hmm. eight. is how eight, eight to close. Okay. The Got it. Yes. Wow. So a significant jump from three to eight and ultimately 12. Okay. Right. There was some faith in there and just crossing my fingers and knowing, okay, listen, I'll just get in and do it. That was the crossroads that I was at. Joe. It was at the fork mm-hmm. in the road to say, okay, do I tell my team that worked very hard to find this deal? Do I say, you know what, guys, a little too big, probably should refer it to a larger outfit that can take down something like this, that has a long track record on taking down something like this. And that conversation did come up. Are we okay? Do we want to stretch like this? And we decided to take it on and to go for it and we'll figure it out. And that's really what you and I were talking offline about is about the growth that happens when you get into something where you're not exactly 100% sure how you're going to make it happen, but you got to move forward in faith that it's going to work out. You got to take action too. But I decided to go for it and just had the confidence that me and my team would figure it out. I wasn't just crossing our fingers. And what's interesting, Joe, is what happened was we put it under contract and we tried our met. We go, okay, let's go raise money. Well, I used my method that I know to raise two to three million dollars. I did that. And guess what? We raised two to three million dollars. What are the things that you do to raise two to three million like clock? There is a number of emails you need to send out to enroll people in your webinar. What you'd want to do is we've been able to develop a pretty good magnet of people that reach out to us that say, hey, I want to invest in real estate with you. So you call the last couple months worth of folks that called in. So the hot leads, if you will, we Mm -hmm. phone called those folks 
we came in and we sent out two announcements to a webinar saying, okay, we're having a webinar. Had 300 people show up on the webinar. Not show up, they register because you know how these mm-hmm. things go, right? So they register yep. for the webinar. They watch the recording and everything like that. Just webinar and then present the whole deal and then send out the recording. And that with some phone call follow-ups in our world has been what we needed to do to raise 2 to $3 how, million. Dollars. How many days in advance do you give them notice that there will be a webinar? We give them a week's notice. Okay. About a week, week and a half. And we just did a general presentation on the deal. Hey guys, this is what we're going to talk about. Here's the deal. Here's this, here's that, here's the opportunity and everything like that. Mm-hmm. It was just, here's everything, right? And you said phone calls too. So you call the hot leads, but do you only call them or do you call everyone in your database? How do you approach that? We don't call everyone in our database. That's the two to three million dollar method, Joe. We didn't call ah. everybody in our database, right? <laughs> we'll talk about the okay. The, the, all the, right, the all newly right. Discovered the Cart newly before discovered. the horse. Okay, <laughs> right. It's okay. I love it. We can talk about the newly discovered, soon to be patented, eight million dollar method. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that I had to come up with, right? But the two to three million dollar method is you call your hot leads because I've had people that called me up that they were hot and I didn't have a deal. This is a true story. I've never told you this story, but this is a true story. I had a guy call me in August and he was like, hey, I want a deal, ready to go. This isn't this August. This was August a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And he said, I want to invest with you. Find me an opportunity. I said, great. Okay, listen, hang out. I am going to go find you an opportunity, my friend. So October comes around and just for this person, but we put a deal under contract and I did my hot lead method and called back through my hot leads that had called the last couple months. And I called this person up that called in August. And you know what he said? Took too long. No, I gave that money to Joe Fairless. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, that's what I. Did. No, you I said, did take oh. too long. <laughs> I said, "Well, it's in good hands." That's what the point of that story is. That when people call, they're not just shopping. This sometimes they'll tell you this. Well, I want to invest in a year or two. But a lot of times when people call, they're looking to place capital now. And mm-hmm. if you don't have something that's available now, and it's okay that you don't, but if you don't have something available now, they're likely going to go and keep below Matt Faircloth's name on the list as somebody else. So if I don't have anything at that time, they're likely going to keep going. And that's what he did. And God mm-hmm. bless. He had money he had to put to work. And he did. And he put it to work. It's in good hands and all that. So I was happy for him. I said, great. Joe's a friend. That's great. But it's that call the hot lead method that these folks hopefully have not gone somewhere else by the time you'd launch that webinar. So you let them know about it ahead of time. That was my two to $3 million method. Mm-hmm. Then you do the webinar. Then you email everyone that recorded into the webinar. And then you do a follow-up phone call to folks that were on the webinar. So only that were on the webinar that you were doing follow-up phone calls for the first method. Yes. Okay, and then you also had some sort of means for them to do a soft commit on the webinar. For us back then was a Google Doc saying like, hey, this is my name. This is my accredited or not. And this is how much money I want to put in, done the list, whatever. And that Google form was a soft commit that they did. And that right there, given the database that we have, will get you two to three million bucks and that we had gotten pretty good at that. And also the presentation on the webinar was solid enough that we could produce that. Mm-hmm. So we did that for this deal. Okay. And we got through $3 million. And I said, oh, okay, we're a quarter of the way there. That's great. So now what? And we called that database again and called the folks that were on the webinar again and had another webinar, same webinar, just did the same show again. Had 50 people sign up this time instead of 300 because a lot of our database had already seen the first one, right? So why do they want to go to the second one? So we got it up a little bit. And my team and I, we we had to drop back and punt and have a huddle up. We got to try something different. So again, we're in the middle of Corona crazy, COVID, 
potential recession, all this other kind of stuff right now. So what we realized is some investors are looking for something that's a bit of a hedge or want to know a little more detail about the deal that has to do with how the deal is recession proof or how it's COVID resistant and everything like that. So we said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do a webinar that's just on that, that how is this deal COVID resistant and recession proof? That's an interesting conversation. So we came up with those bullets and we came up with a way tighter webinar. The first webinar, the one with the 300 people went two hours. That's another mistake. It's too long of a webinar. Mm -hmm. with, with the presentation, with Q&A, it went two hours. What's the right amount of time? I think that you should be presenting the opportunity in 30 minutes or less and then another 30 minutes for Q&A and then wrap it up. Got it. People are busy, man. Get to the point. Don't spend too much time on the fluff or on spending 10 minutes introducing your team and everything like that. Just get going because people are busy and you want to respect that. So we tightened it way up and did a 30-minute thing on COVID and the recession. And you know, we had a way bigger turnout for that one because people were curious about that. So this is the third webinar? Yes. This is the third webinar about the same deal, okay? About the same deal, but we did two things. We cranked up our email activity and I went to my assistant and I was like, I want you to do an email every other day to stay on people's radar. Because again, maybe we needed to just kind of given everything going on and maybe just to raise a lot more money, you got to kind of scream and yell a little bit louder. Well, are you concerned about people unsubscribing from your list as a result of that? Sure. And I'm sure they did. And that's okay. Because if they really are not that concerned, if they really don't want to hear that much from Matt, then that's okay. They unsubscribed. And I think it's a risk you have to run if you're going to wave your hand in the air. I think list attrition is something that happens all the time if you use your list. Not that you have to, have to email every day, but if you email every couple of days or once a week or whatever, you're going to have attrition because people mm -hmm. just might not want to hear what you have to say. You can't make that a reason why you don't send emails, I don't think. And how long did you email every other day? We did that toward the last 30 to 45 days of the deal. We were every other day emailing. And what we did... We took snippets of the COVID webinar, and I'm jumping around a little bit. We did a COVID webinar, and we did a tax savings webinar because we're doing a cost segregation study, right? Mm -hmm. We're hiring Yona Weiss, if you know him. We're hiring Yona to do the cost seg. So we realized that some investors know what cost seg is, and some investors know how it helps. Other investors don't. So I interviewed my CPA and took some video clips from him, took video clips from an interview I did with Yona. And I took those two video clips and assembled them into a dozen emails that we mm -hmm. sent out on a drip campaign about what is depreciation and why is it important? We had one couple invest in this deal. They came in later after we started this cost seg conversation. They had sold a business and the wife was filing taxes as a real estate professional. And we saved them $200,000 because they put a significant amount of money in the deal. They were able to pretty much save every nickel that they were supposed to pay in income tax got deferred through the cost seg and through the Beautiful. negative K1. Incredible. What a difference we get to make in this business. So I touted that in the email. Obviously, reading personal, Yeah. Leaving the personal information on. Think about the tagline on that one. We got a big open rate on that email because it's interesting. Wow, $200,000. That's crazy. Now, it takes a specific investor under specific circumstances to get those savings, but it's still at least a good conversation. Mm -hmm. So we started thinking outside the box on ways to get people's attention. And I think that lesson learned, a few lessons I got out of this whole thing was to raise a lot of money, you got to get a lot of attention. And people care about different things. So some people cared about the hedge, about like, okay, recession and COVID proof. That webinar got over 100 registrants. 
and it was the third one. Yeah. Yeah. So my registrations went up uh-huh. because right. we had a the second one. conversation. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And Joe, we had people that had gotten in after the first webinar. They increased their investments after that one hmm. because they were like, oh, that's, I, I like what you guys are doing. I see what you guys are doing. We had one guy go from 100 to 200 because they saw that we had really thought this thing out. And we had a lot of new investors come in. But the biggest thing was being willing to have conversations with people in a manner that they cared about. Okay, I care about taxes. That's my main thing. And realizing that people that invest in real estate, they may want all the different things that real estate offers, but likely they want one thing or two things. And the other stuff is all just gravy. Mm-hmm. So we got connected to what people really want out of what syndicators can offer. So we pumped out emails that spoke to those specific conversations. We also got a lot more personal. I got each of my team members to record a three-minute video and talk about what you love about this deal. And I got one of our investors, who is one of our larger investors, to record a three-minute video on what he loves about this deal. A lot of our investors are doctors, so he was in his scrubs, Mm -hmm. the mask and everything, talking about what he loves about the Rosa Capital 11. So through all those efforts, we were able to hit our benchmark. What are the categories of things that people care about? You mentioned you pivoted with the COVID-resistant and recession-proof and the tax savings. What are they? Well, let's go COVID-resistance beyond what that really is. Because people say, well, I want something that's recession-proof or whatever. What do you really want? You really want security. So I think that if we as syndicators, and this is to your audience, if they're able to address the security question on, is my money safe? That's really what they want to know. So if you can explain to them in their language how their money's safe, and in today's world, that means, are you recession-proof? Are you COVID-resistant? People ask the same security question. They're asking in a different language where they're saying, what kind of collateral do I have? These are folks that have done a lot of private loans but have never invested in equity. So they want to know what kind of security do I have in your deal? What kind of collateral do I have? I don't have a mortgage on the property. What do I have? So you have to explain what equity and ownership in an LLC gives you. So that was one conversation, security, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is general taxes. Folks that earn a lot get it that it's not about how much you make. It's about how much you get to keep. So that tax level conversation is something that some investors don't care about. And interestingly enough, anyone with an IRA was like, next, let's talk about security. I don't want to talk about taxes because they know that the IRA does kind of defends them against that already. You have to watch who you're talking to. If they have an IRA, don't even bring up the tax savings because they really can't take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. So we went there. We tried some of the things on going to our personal story. Other people care about the market. It's like, tell me why Winston-Salem, North Carolina is a great place to invest. So there were some folks that cared about that too. So we did some e-blasts on why the market's amazing. So to answer your question, Joe, people also want to know why should they invest with you, the syndicator, and why should they invest in that market? And then why should they invest in that particular deal? And typically it's in that order that they want to know it. And you can answer those questions in that order. And then there's the security and the tax questions that come on top of it too. So I'm on your list and I got... 15 emails in the month of September. So it looks like you were doing it we were all busy. every other day. Yeah, you were busy. Yeah, every other day in the month of September, basically. Did you take a look at what your subscriber list was before and then what it was after and just see what type of unsubscribe rate you got from that? What attrition we had. It's good to know. I wish I could tell you that. Oh, it wasn't a red flag with your team. We're like, hey, Matt. Uh, 
<laughs> we can send out another email, but you realize we're going to lose 20% of our database because yesterday we just lost 20%. It wasn't anything like that. No, I don't think so. I don't believe it was. And I don't think that we lost anywhere near what folks would suspect that you would. Because at the end of the day, people just don't delete, skim through it and everything like that. They tend to just look past emails. Sometimes they go through the effort of unsubscribing, but at the end of the day, it does take a little bit to unsubscribe from something versus just taking the time to delete. It's not a big deal. You can just delete the email. I ask that because I think some people would be concerned about the investors that we brought onto the list that's so precious because we've worked so hard to get them and then I don't want to send them all these emails, but in your case, it worked. And that's a surprising lesson that I learned from this conversation in addition to other lessons too. I have an admin that was sending out those emails and I know she would have flagged it. I'd be willing to bet that it was very low on attrition. If you give me one second, I'll give you the number um, oh, yeah, on, what, on what it was because I'm able to log in here while we're looking. You know what it is, Joe? I hope I can use this word on your show. People worry too much about pissing people off and everything like that. And I think obviously once folks are investors, you really don't want to do that. But I'm thinking of people worry about from a marketing perspective about shouting too loud or anything like that. And we obviously don't want to be bold or audacious or too over the top on things. But at the end of the day, I think that we're also looking to get noticed. And when you get noticed, it's okay that some people are like, oh, I don't want to pay attention to that guy. So we lost about 4%. That's nothing. Yeah. Regular attrition is less than that, maybe 1% or 2%, but we lost 4 during the life cycle of that campaign. It's okay. People are going to do that. Sorry if I went there, but I think that people worry too much about ticking off people on your list. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if they're just on your list out of general curiosities, they're likely not going to do much with you if you email them a lot. If you email them a lot, they're either going to get interest or they're not. If they're not interested, but they want to see what else Matt has to offer in the future, they'll probably just delete the email and wait till the next one comes around. I'll tell you one thing. It did confuse some people that were already in the deal. Hey, why are you still emailing me? I'm already in this opportunity. So you can't just do a general shotgun email everybody. You got to watch to see who's on your email list. Take the folks that uh, have already- Segment it. Yeah, because that's we learned that one. People were getting confused. I'm in, man. You already have my PP and my, my PP and everything. <laughs> why are you still emailing me? Yep. So we had to watch who we'd already emailed. We also mm -hmm. took out people that had roundly said they weren't interested. Just out of respect. So we learned that you got a segment. You can't just literally blast everybody. This has been a productive and such an educational conversation because of you and what you've shared with us. Thank you so much for that, Matt. And before we wrap up, anything that we haven't talked about that you think we should as it relates to this topic? I think that you and I got into the nuts and bolts and all that, which is awesome because I think your investors are going to get lots of great nuggets. I think that the big thing for them to take home in general is that if you don't stretch yourself, you're not going to grow. There's a book called The Way of the Superior Man, and it's good for everybody. But The Way of the Superior Man, there's a chapter in that book that talks about being okay with a little bit of fear. Mm -hmm. And people sometimes won't engage in change or won't engage in growth because it makes them a little bit afraid. And I've learned through reading that book and just by living my life that if I'm not a little bit afraid, a little bit scared about where I'm stepping, that I'm not stretching myself enough because fear is the indicator that I'm beyond my comfort zone. And I was a little afraid of this deal of being able to take it down and of the, what happens if I don't, right? 
But because I moved forward anyway, I was able to bring things to the next level in my company. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that that's the only way you're going to grow is by feeling the fear and acting anyway and getting into it and, and jumping in and figuring things out. And hopefully there's some nuggets here on how to raise your equity game too. But yeah, I agree. This has been an awesome interview. Yeah. And regarding the faith and being comfortable with fear, I'm coming at it from a logical perspective too, or standpoint, because you had a lot of pieces in place that gave you the confidence to be comfortable taking a couple steps really that are beyond where you had been. Whereas if someone's starting out, then they're looking at a $9 million equity raise, then that fear is very healthy because they don't have those pieces in place that you had already had. You're going to take reasonable steps. Reasonable steps, right. Right. You've got to know where the possibilities are there somehow. So I'm not Mm -hmm. saying never invest in real estate before. Go take down a $9 million equity raise and figure it out. Again, don't hear what Joe and I are saying the wrong way here, audience. I think that understand you've got to take reasonable steps forward into growing your business and that. And a little bit of fear is good. A lot of fear is probably a sign that you probably shouldn't be stretching that far. So you got to find that even marriage where it's outside your comfort zone and it's a little bit of uncertainty. That's healthy, but too much of it is probably a sign you're not ready. You got to know the difference. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? They can get a hold of us at our website, which is DeRosa, D-E-R-O-S-A, group, G-R-O-U-P.com, DeRosaGroup.com. Everything's out there. Copies of my book can be purchased. You can connect with us. You can learn from us. You can invest with us. Everything's out there. Matt, a pleasure, as always, talking to you and learning about what you've learned. So I can be educated, too. I love learning this stuff. So thank you for sharing that. Hope you have a best ever weekend and talk to you again soon. Thanks, Joe, for having me. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Best Ever Conference is almost here starting February 18th. We have over 30 of the best ever speakers in commercial real estate. When you sign up, you are placed in a virtual mini mastermind group to network and gain connections from start to finish. And if you're looking to elevate your investing game, this is the place to be. Visit BEC2021.com and use the code INVEST15 to get 15% off.